0: Context is really important. If you understand the bigger context of what's going on, it usually can make a great difference. To have the backstory or the bigger picture usually is incredibly important to understanding the whole of something. One of the things that's really interesting as you read the New Testament is how many times itself it quotes the Old Testament. In fact, it quotes the Old Testament about 600 times times. And of those 600 times, almost 100 times of that are the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. And so even though we love being New Testament Christians, and we love reading the story of Jesus, and and there is great comfort and much to learn by studying all of the epistles, and it's kind of scary and interesting to read the book of Revelation, there is a sense that a part of who we are as a people comes in this greater context of where you've been from. And and, you know, it's interesting because most of us can tell that story. That's an important story. We talk about where we're from. We talk about our family. We talk about some of the things that we did. We talk about those kinds of things and those somehow inform who we are today. The Bible is the same way. The Bible is the same way, so instead of being afraid of the Old Testament, I think that sometimes we have to delve into it, and so for the next couple weeks, moving up to probably Christmas, we're going to study at least the first two generations spoken of in the Old Testament and in the book of Genesis. We're going to take a look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and probably over the next epoch of time, I'll use that as a term, I'd like to think that we will delve into the whole book of Genesis, probably not chapter by chapter just in a row, but certainly to get this bigger picture of the beginning of the story. This story of where we began, and the story... Now it's important for you to understand a couple things about the Bible. First of all, the Bible is a story about God. And so whenever you're reading this, the Bible, you should and no matter what chapter you're in, you should be asking the question, "What does this tell me about God? How can I get to know God better?" The other thing is is that although the Bible is never inaccurate, the Bible is not a scientific journal. Uh, the Bible is not. A detailed history of everything. Just like you and I, if we talk about it, there's a there's an old elef- there's an old story told about the kid that that had uh <coughs> had to talk about his 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 summer job, and he, and it went something like this: On the first day of my summer vacation, I got up. I went downtown to look for a job, and then I hung out at the drugstore. On the second day of my summer vacation, I got up. I went downtown to look for a job, and then I hung out at the drugstore. On the third day of my summer vacation, I got up. I went downtown to look for a job, and then I hung out at the drugstore. On the fourth day of my summer vacation, I got up. I went downtown to look for a job. I got a job at the (laughs) drugstore. Watching people that hang out. (laughs) You know, there are details that sometimes we give, but not all the details are important. And when you tell stories about your life, there are some places where you will talk in great detail and other places that you will give very brief descriptions. We change the story based on our audience and what we're talking about. And so when we read the story of God, we need to keep the same idea in mind. That although there are details that are given, some of the things that maybe we're curious about, some of the things that we wish it would explain as we're going to be reading in Genesis chapter 1, the explanations of some of the things that are just a little vague is very interesting. They're all based on somebody's agenda. And some of them are pages upon pages long and others are very short, but they're always based on that. When honestly, we can, should say that when the Word of God is a little vague occasionally, we really don't know what the answer is. But we want to take a look at the beginning. This story of God, this explanation that He gives of Himself, and it all starts in the book of Genesis. And it all starts in chapter 1. So let's read all of chapter 1 together. I'll comment on a couple things as we go, and then we'll talk a little bit about what this means. So Genesis chapter 1, if you have a Bible, it's pretty close to the front. Or you can read along with me on the screen as we read the beginning of the story of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. The first day then God said let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters and God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under from the from the waters that were above the expanse and it was so and God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. You're going to start seeing this phrase, and it was so. I love that phrase. And God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed, fruit bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their own kinds, trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, and God said it was good. And there was mourning. And there was evening, the third day. So you can answer the question now, which came first, the seed or the tree? Tree came, they gave us seeds. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the, on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Then God said, Let the water swarm swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And so God created great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And he blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. So he started with living creatures in the water, and now we're going to the earth. According to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, black flies. Oh, it's right there. Beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. It's interesting, this is the second thing God blessed. He blessed things in the water, and now he has blessed man. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. They, You shall have them for food. This is the original Whole30 diet. <laughs> and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the in the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath, I have given every green plant for food. So everything at creation was a vegetarian. And it was so. And God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So that's the story of the beginning. That's what the Bible tells us about the beginning, and that's how God says that it happened. God inspired someone we don't know who to write down the story of the beginning of time. How God created. Now at this point, there are many people that don't completely agree on what all these words mean, and there are some people that don't think that God is even a part of the picture of creation. And at this point, I can tell you that I've heard many presentations on this, and there's usually a bit of smugness and a a bit of speaking down to people that don't agree on different things. And that is not my goal today. My goal today is for us to see the big picture of what happened here. And my goal today is for you to be challenged by this fact. I am not sure how God did creation, but my God is big enough that if he wanted to create the world in six days, he can. In fact, it doesn't make sense that you call a day a day because that's one of the big arguments that you have when the Scripture itself over and over again explains that a day is a day. The Ten Commandments explain what when it describes the Sabbath? It says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy a day because in six days God created the earth and on the seventh day he rested. It doesn't say, for six epochs of time he, rest, he created the world, and then for an epoch of time he rested. It speaks of a day, and it speaks of a 24-hour period of time. Not everybody agrees on these things. I am not here to have those discussions. If you want to get into that kind of information more, I can give you all kinds of information. But this is not an apologetics course. This is a course that's taking a look at the bigger idea of what is God doing And here's some of the things that we see. Number one, there is a beginning. Okay, And the Word of God describes it. In the beginning. He's not speaking about a baseball game here. The big inning. He's speaking about the beginning of time here. There is a time where God does something absolutely amazing that... There is a start to everything. There is all kinds of money being spent by many scientists right now trying to figure out what that beginning could look like. There's this thing called the super collider where they're thinking that if they can just watch things collide in this thing that they spent millions and billions of dollars on, that that will give them a picture of what the beginning of time looked like. There is a curiosity about this. But we know that the Bible says that there is a beginning and it says that this... And it goes on and it adds a word to that. In the beginning, God. Now, it's interesting because what this assumes is that God was there at the beginning. And so then that asks this bigger question Well, who created God and where do you get there? I have no idea. But he was there. He was there in the beginning. That's what the word of God tells us. God was there. And it's, and it's brought up. Jesus talks about it. Corinthians talks about it. Hebrews talks about it. So if we say that, that the part of this isn't true, then we have to throw out the whole Bible. Because it's knit and tied together in such a way. The Bible isn't this series of little tiny boxes where nothing touches. The Bible is this whole network of information that it all fits together and, and assumes a truth. And we know from from Scripture that God was already there. In the beginning, God was already there. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's a fancy term that you put around this. It's called ex nihilo, which means that God basically created everything from nothing. Now, I love creating things, but I have to go to Curtis Lumber first. Because God created the tree and somebody cut it down. Now I'm learning about trees and I'm learning that you're supposed to read the end of every stud because you're going to figure out what's going to happen to that stud and how it will twist and everything based on that. God didn't have to do that. Okay? God didn't go to Curtis Lumber to create the world. God started with nothing and He created everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. I don't know how he did it. I am not God. But the Word of God tells me that he created everything out of nothing. Now, why is that important? Because there's a lot of nothing in my life that God needs to create something out of. I need God to be that kind of a creator in my experience. I need him to take this void that sometimes is my life and fill it with something. In the beginning, God created. And it's interesting that that Scripture says over and over again the same thing. It says what? God said let. Verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verses 14, verses 20, verses 24 and 26. God spoke everything into existence. I would love the ability to do that. When my kids were little, if I could speak something into them... And it would happen. It would have been awesome. Like they're being annoying, and you want to go, stop. It still happens. Think about that. D.A. Carson says that one of the things that Genesis shows that's so amazing is that God is a God that communicates and talks. God said, and it was so. He spoke it into existence. I I spent three and a half hours making a board correctly crooked so that I could put it up yesterday. I've been building this built-in for my son in his room, and neither of the walls is level, and the ceiling is off. And so I had to correctly create a crooked board. And it took forever to, first of all, figure out how to do it, then to create a jig to make it happen then cut it out, and then realized it wasn't per completely right. God didn't have to sand or use any caulk when he created the earth. He just said it, and it was so. God delighted in his creation. When we create things, there are people that make videos for a living out of things they create. Do you realize that? It's called YouTube. They make a living off of it because other people enjoy watching what they create. From our youngest age, whenever we did something, we'd always go, Mom, come see, come see what I made. But there's also a personal satisfaction when you get something done and you can step back from it and go, God, every time He created, could look back and go, "That's good." I can't always say that. Sometimes when I look back, I see my mistakes. Don't you? And I, I see the parts that didn't go right, and I, I see the parts that I wish I could have done better, and 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 I'm learning how to trick the eye so that some of those things can't be seen. But God just stepped back. at all of creation. And when He got all done at the end of the week, when He was finished with creation, what did He say? This is very good. God delighted in His creation. God has created us to do the same thing. I I love what... um, John Piper says when he says that we need to understand that God has created us with that same sense of delight. So when these guys get done leading us in worship, there should be this sense of them going, that was fun. I enjoyed doing that. That was good. And yet we've created this false humility in Christianity sometimes that when we we do well and someone says, I enjoyed that, we don't go, yeah, that was great. We go, oh, it wasn't me. It was God. But God himself had great delight in what he did and in his creation. And he saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, you probably think it's fascinating that they always talk about there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. You've got to remember we're on a Jewish calendar here. Their day begins at sunset. And that's why there was always evening and then morning. They think backwards from what we think. Because we would think there was morning and there was evening the next day. We read on, starting in verse 26, that God uniquely created man and gave him purpose. When he was creating everything else in creation, he was just speaking it in. But then all of a sudden, and it's interesting because it also shows us something about the character of God this is probably the first mention of the fact that God is a trinity because God wasn't talking to somebody else in the room he was talking to himself and what did he say let us make man in our image you know because we could have done it the other way and he could have done it because he is one god and he could have said let me make god in my image you know he could have done that but he spoke of this idea. You see that God is a talking God, and even from the beginning of time, there's a banter that's going on in the Godhead. Isn't that interesting? Even at creation. If you read through Scripture, you're going to find verses that talk about Jesus creating. You're going to find verses that talk about the Holy Spirit creating. and You're going to talk about verses that talk about God creating, God the Father. They were all involved in creation. It wasn't like God the Father was doing what I kind of do sometimes, which is, I will now build you something. Please sit back and wait for the gift. No, they were all involved in creation. But he says something, let us create man in our own image. Now this is an interesting word. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Actually, it's a word that describes this idea of the shadow of or the likeness of, or the resemblance of, and this is something interesting, is all of the rest of creation was created outside of God reflecting Himself. But when we were created, we were created as a reflection of God. Isn't that amazing? This is where sometimes I have to speak strongly against some of the other ideas because I am not an evolved from something else. I am uniquely created image-bearer of God. And that's where some of that thinking stands in opposition to this thing that's so important. There is a uniqueness that we have in being created in the image of God we're different than the animals. They won't evolve into being us. The planet of the apes is not going to happen. We're going to be okay. Okay? But then, this is the only time in the creation story where not only is there something created, but that thing that's created is given responsibility beyond just being itself, okay? Remember He told the fish, make more fish. He told the birds, be fruitful and multiply, make more birds. But now all of a sudden, when He speaks of man, this thing that is the last thing that He creates, near the end of the last day of creation, He gives man responsibility. And He says this, and He says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over all over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God gave us stewardship, responsibility, leadership in these areas. Christians should be the greatest environmentalists of all creation. Really, we should. Why? Why? Because we understand that we have stewardship over these things. Okay? Now, you know, my, my pet Ferret is not my equal, okay? But we have stewardship over all these things. We were given leadership and dominion. We we God God named us, but we'll read in the next chapter, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but we're given responsibility from the beginning. When God created the earth, he called it earth. When God created the heavens, he called it heaven. But when God created all the living things, he brought the man in and said, name that. It was our responsibility. And so as we read the story of God, we find out that in the midst of the story, there is this person or these people or this kind that's special and that is humanity and we'll study that a lot more next week but as you read the story that's the next thing that kind of stands out in the story then in the beginning of chapter two it says thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them now this is interesting because God didn't keep creating the earth. He was finished creating it. You see the point of this this is kind of important. There isn't a sense that all of a sudden there is something new in creation. No. It was finished. You know you know one of the most interesting things in science today is over and over again almost on a regular basis the more that they discover things they are discovering new things all the time is that because they've been newly created no it's just that we finally figured out they had been created but god was finished with the work of creation now it's interesting the word finished is used a couple times in scripture can you think of any other place where the word finished is used on the cross When Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, when he took the punishment for our sins, he wet his whistle, right? And with a loud voice, he said, it is finished. Now, I know that most of us live in the life of these words, to be continued. You know? We'll pick this up again later. There is this sense that things are never done. Yesterday, after straightening, crookeding this board so it would fit straight, um, I looked at the time and I realized, I really need to finish that sermon. And so I didn't finish the project. And when I walk into my garage, at the end of the today, the project will be waving its hand at me, going, hi, we're not done yet. When I go up into Stephen's room, his room will be waving at me going, Hi, we're not done yet. And this is important to know. The word "finished" is important in Scripture because there isn't something extra we need to do to have a relationship with God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, it was finished. And because it is finished, if you ask Jesus to be your Savior, it's finished in you which is an amazing thing for us to think about. That doesn't mean we don't work out our salvation and grow in our relationship, but we don't need to get resaved. You know. There are some people that believe this. They believe that the work of salvation isn't complete and so they have to get more saved or resaved. There are rituals in some of the churches where daily they re-crucify the body and blood of the body of Christ over and over again because they need him to be saved again and all of a sudden it starts looking like the old testament because the old testament was a series of sacrifices that were always to be continued you know if you ask god to cover all your sin and on the way out you were mad because you didn't like the way the priest did it you should head right back in again Because it's not done. It's to be continued. Some of you need the finished work of Christ. You need the finished work of what He did. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you need to ask Him to be your Savior. Because He wants to finish something for you. You see, the talking God of the book of Genesis wants to talk not just with himself, but with us. He wants to have relationship with us. He created man to have a relationship. That's what we're going to see next week. He created a special place for them to have a relationship. In fact, all of creation was created for the sense of his image bearer to have a place to have a relationship with him. And you're saying, well, that's crazy. That's extravagant. But think of the lengths that we go to to begin a relationship with our mate. Think of your wedding day. Think of the thousands upon thousands of dollars that are spent. Statistics tell us that right now, the average wedding costs $1,000 a minute. Sorry to tell you that. There is a great expense, and we do all that, why? Just because we're beginning a relationship. God created all of this that so we're around. The beauty of V.C., the wonders of the Adirondacks, but it was created so that we could have a relationship with him. And at the end of God creation, God created a pattern that we have been talking a lot about this year. God created a pattern where you work and you rest. And God created that pattern. He created it in each day with morning and evening. He created it in each week. That is God's pattern. And from the beginning, that has been the pattern. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done. And that's the story of the beginning. The story of the beginning tells us how God created the earth. And now we're trying to figure out the simple facts of what he said. Now there are some people that will say the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, they're all allegory and poetry. And then beyond that it gets into what is literal. But that is a wrong idea of how we interpret the word of God. You always start literal. Do I know all the details of how God created? No, I don't. Are there things that we're fighting over that maybe we don't need to? Yes. But one of the greatest reasons that there is a a discussion or a fight over this idea is because some people don't like the first couple words. In the beginning, God. They want to try to figure out how this can be done without God. And you maybe know people that are just like that. But the cru- reality is that God created us so that He could have a relationship with us. But if you don't think that He exists, it's hard to have a relationship with Him. So that's the beginning of the story of God. And it is good. It is very good. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your story and your word. I thank you for the detail that you've given us. How you took nothing and you created something. God, there are voids in our lives today. There are spaces in our life. And we need You to figure out how to fill those spaces. And so we're praying that the Creator of heaven and earth would create something in us. Create in us a new heart. Create in us new patterns. Create in us new thinking. God, continue Your creative work so that we can better resemble the image that we are supposed to be And so that we can be in more intimate relationship with You. God, I pray for people that have not come to a relationship with You that need to to do the great ask and ask You to be their personal Savior, that have not personally experienced the joy of being forgiven and experienced the finished work of the cross. I pray for them right now. And if that is You today, these simple words how You begin that relationship. Dear Jesus, please forgive me. Thank You for dying on the cross for me. Please be my Savior. Thank You for dying for me. I pray this in Your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, We need to know, okay? Write it on a card, shake somebody's hand that you know that regularly attends here and let them know because we want to help you with the next steps in building your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us, let's pray that God will continue to restore the distorted image of himself that's inside of us and that we continue to be those people that were created and being recreated by the God of heaven. Let's sing together as we close.